invite you to read with me from the English Standard Version, chapter 18 of Luke, verses 1 and forward, the parable of the persistent widow. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Would he lay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The word of the Lord. Welcome. Um, my name is Paige Severance. For those who are maybe just joining us for the first time in the middle of the series, I'll be tag teaming um, with Doug tonight, <clears throat> speaking, and then he'll be up here in a minute. But I just wanted to welcome you and um, just give you a framework for who I am. So I'm Paige, and uh, we're going to jump in and look at this tonight. Um, by design, Jesus gives us a judge and a widow, and these two cannot be more polar opposite. Living life on this continuum of over here, we have prestige, power, privilege, and on the widows, and we have destitute vulnerability, and they have come to an impasse. We are given a clue about the judge. When you hear judge, thoughts of objectivity, neutrality, um, reverence for justice comes to mind, but Jesus says that this judge... Um, neither feared God nor cared for, for men. So this judge is the personification of wickedness. In contrast to the judge, the widow has no intrinsic standing in her community. The justice system belonged to men, and she has no mediator. The root word for widow in Hebrew means one who is unable to speak not one who is without a husband, one able, doesn't have any money. It's just one unable to speak. To lose your voice, not be heard, to be forced silent is the ultimate vulnerability. So we have the judge, who's the personification of wickedness and the personification of vulnerability in the widow. And in this passage, Jesus is showing us how we should respond to wickedness by her example two ways. He says, through prayer and not giving up. Prayers are vertical dimension, our relationship with God. The second part is the practical action, the horizontal relationship to others. And together, these two pieces of our symbol, of the symbol is the cross. It's the completeness of our faith. Um, The first symbol is he's saying, pray, pray, don't, don't give up. Um, Prayer is a powerful, transformative display of our faith. We should pray for justice. It takes spiritual eyes to discern spiritual matters, to see where the strongholds are, and spiritual warfare demands spiritual weapons. 
we must pray against anything that's not aligned with the heart of God. This also includes reflecting and recognizing and naming false beliefs in ourselves and attitudes, confronting our own sin, and that's when we personally begin to live towards justice. We should also pray for healing from the wounds of injustice. What do we do with pain and grief and confusion and anger brought by injustice? We confront it in prayer. We lay it all down. We honestly cry out. We ask questions. We yell. We scream. And we feel. God sits with us there in those bleeding wounds, and he sits in our ugly scars and our peeling scabs, and he waits so patiently for the love of Christ to come in and heal and brings us to a place of acceptance and peace and even joy and gratitude for those scars. So we have prayer, and then he says, don't lose heart, don't give up. This is the practical application. Because we know that our faith is not a passive faith. It's a faith that moves our feet to action. And this faith is demonstrated in this widow's relentless endurance and strength. She is an example of perseverance in the face of evil. Her perseverance is an example of holding to a conviction and banging on a door and keep begging until, even if it's never answered, never giving up, knowing that she is standing in this gap and pleading for justice. This widow is an example of someone who takes responsibility for her own well-being and her self-preservation. Having no one to plead her cause, no resource to bribe the judge for a swift settlement, she is at the complete mercy of wickedness. Yet she doesn't allow injustice to end in bitterness or victimization. She relentlessly returns to the judge until he finally grants her justice. Uh, There are many ways both Christian men and women are pushing back darkness through prayer and acts of justice. Since Doug has asked me to share my heart in the series on Jesus and women, I can clearly see the message for women in this widow's example. It matters when you are silenced. A dear friend uh, told me her story recently of being silenced in her church as a little girl. Um... She was taught that she, being a girl, could not pray out loud. Only little boys were able to do that. As you can imagine, this had a huge impact on her relationship with God and the church. That is injustice. Pushing back the darkness looks like women speaking with their lives and prophesying with their voice. The kingdom of God brings light when women use their voices, their hands, their experience, their stories, and the truth, pursuing justice with faith that our mother and our daughter and our sister are walking freely alongside our fathers and sons and brothers to see the kingdom of God and his will be done. 
So we see that uh, after some time, the judge, this wicked judge, finally gave in. Verse 4 said, For some time he refused, but he finally said to himself, Even though I don't fear God nor care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Another translation says, so that she doesn't attack me. So his response, we see, is not out of concern for this widow, nor is it out of his commitment to God. He's motivated by his own safety. He's afraid she might attack him. And there is a Greek word for that. That means it's a, a boxing term to give somebody a black eye. And that is a, that's a communication of the passion this woman had for justice. Jesus is highlighting this feisty widow as she confronts the legal, religious, and cultural factors which constrain her. She is the model for us to engage with our culture through prayer and practical action until justice comes. I have been the widow as well in the sense that I have been vulnerable to lies that left me unable to speak, that conditioned me to not use my voice. But I have not been the widow in the sense that I have allowed anger and confusion to let my love for scripture wane, um, my desire to be in the church wither, and my creativity die. Because I couldn't reconcile the love of God and the muzzle of the church. I couldn't reconcile a God that loved and gifted me yet created me in a way that I could not fully respond to his call. So I ignored the issue. I ignored the pain. I let other, others be the light. I have been exhausted from debates with big theological words and dueling scripture verses. And so I have buried my head in the sand and given up on faith. And in this sense, I confess that I have not been the widow I have not been the model of a faith that perseveres with conviction. So why am I here? (laughs) My faith has been renewed, seeing women break silence and shame, persevering through prayer, using their experiences, making themselves vulnerable, pursuing relationship and seeking God's wisdom. I have seen women pushing back darkness so that the full glory of the body of Christ coming together may shine brighter. Verse 6 through 8 says, The Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the message of hope. The wicked judge gave in to this widow. How much more will our loving Father who hears us respond to our our prayers and our pleas? He is bringing justice to the powerless, marginalized, and abused. Even in the darkest and most silent corners, God is restoring voices. He's healing wounds and breaking chains and chasing fear. Let us live in an act expectantly to see God's redemption in every domain of life. Because this is the promise Jesus gives. 
the one who loves us and who is for us, hears our prayer and is working to bring justice. Thank you, Paige. When, when I have the opportunity to uh, walk with someone in spiritual direction, if someone approaches me and asks to do that, the first thing I ask them to do is pray that God will give them a dream. And the reason why is that uh, a dream is kind of like that red dot in the mall uh, that says, you are here. Uh, and a dream will often show you uh, where a person is and where God's moving. I think of spiritual direction as John five seventeen to 20, where you find out where God is at work, and then you join him. And that's, that's really what I see spiritual direction is all about. So uh, a friend, a uh, new friend, uh, came in, and we started that process, and I'd ask her for a dream. I'll call her Sarah, and I'd ask her permission to share this. And her first dream um, had this scene in it. She was at a carnival, and there was a, uh, a side tent, and she walked into the side tent, and it was filled with a lot of terrible things, um, torture devices, uh, scenes of debauchery and, and, uh, of a sexual nature. And um, in the back of it all was Jesus Christ being crucified over and over and over again. Well, we, we prayed and we sought the Lord to help us interpret the dream. And by the end of our time, the Holy Spirit had revealed to us that the carnival was the church that she grew up in. Uh, and as we spent time together, we began to understand that she had experienced both sexual and spiritual abuse there. Well, that was quite some time ago. Sarah uh, came by this week, and she'd read a story about a, a large uh, church that had recently covered up um, the sexual abuse of one of their pastors, and it had stirred up a lot of stuff, and she was very angry. And so we had a good conversation about how do you move from anger to hope, which is what I think Paige was addressing so well. How do you move from anger to forgiveness and hope? It's not easy to do. You know, the early Christians were treated unjustly too, and uh, they're human. I'm sure they dealt with, with anger as they were. And I think Jesus gave us this uh, story and this parable to teach us how to respond when we experience injustice and are hurt and angry, or when someone we love or a group of people that we love are experiencing injustice and, and, and are hurting. I think this is a parable for all of that. Um, justice, I think, uh, one great definition is putting the world to rights. I think that's a good word for, for justice. And so in this story, Jesus just tells a story about a vulnerable, angry woman who has experienced injustice and persists in pleading with a godless judge for justice. And it is one of those how much more parables where he'll, he'll, use, he'll use an example of a certain kind of person and then contrast it to God and say, how much more? Can we trust God to answer when we pray for justice? But how do you do that? 
You know, I don't know. We're talking a lot about um, w- women and the injustices they faced in the church, and that's one thing I want you to be thinking about. But there may be another issue on your heart tonight. Uh, I got a phone call yesterday from one of my guys, and he says, I'm worried, coach. And I said, why? He says, well, we're going to the basketball game, right? And, and, and you haven't called me back. And I said, it's next weekend. I told you three times. It's next weekend. We're going to get there. And this young man, I've told you the story, he's sick all the time. And one of the reasons why he's sick is because there's a bunch of junk in his house that he can't get clean. And so we asked if we get him a new house. And we were told there's so many people that want that kind of housing that if we moved him out, there'd be somebody that moved right back in. He'd just be out of a house. Now, good news. I, I happened to lead a Bible study with Coach Barnes of the basketball team. Uh, I shared that story in the Bible study. The next day, I had an envelope with seven $100 bills that went right to pay for two cleaning units and an industrial cleaning service. So God is at work even in these terrible, terrible stories. But over the years, as I've watched with these boys, I've just gotten so angry. And you've, if you've been around here, you've seen that sometimes it's, it's almost taken me out. And I think some, some of you who are working through some, some of this with women's injustice are, are feeling the same way. So how do you move? What does it look like to pray for justice? Well, one way to pray for justice is to lament. There's a lot of ways, but one way is to lament. And we looked at this last winter. Uh, I actually preached five weeks on the book of Lamentations. Uh, Attendance soared to about 100 people less at the end than at the beginning. Uh, We won't be covering Lamentations again anytime soon. Um, But hopefully, one of the things that we picked up was this is a beautiful way to move from anger to hope. Because in, in laments, and you see them in the Psalms and the Book of Lamentations and other places, they acknowledge real anger over whatever you've experienced, whatever injustice or abuse you've experienced, but then they move towards hope. They all take a turn towards hope. And I think that balance is really important because if we say to you, quit being angry, stop being angry, enough with the anger, get over it. That's not spiritually or psychologically wise because sometimes it takes time, usually it takes time to work through anger, right? There needs to be an expression of it. But we also don't want to just get stuck in anger, as Paige was talking about. And so there needs to be that turn towards hope. So lament gives voice to anger while moving towards hope and all of this requires the faith that verse 8 talks about, where Jesus asks if he's going to find faith in earth. I don't know if there's many harder things to do spiritually than when you are really angry and upset about something, and you're trying to forgive, and you're trying to overcome, and something's just not right, and you feel hopeless and discouraged, and you're convinced it's never going to change, and you can somehow grab onto that trapeze bar of hope and say, but God, I know you are who you say you are and that you're going to move. It takes a lot of faith to do that. And so Sarah and I were talking about this, and she's a woman of great faith. She's been injured in, in ways that are just horrible to even contemplate. But she keeps showing up. She keeps coming back to our times together. She keeps turning towards God and meeting with other wise people too, much wiser than me. And so I asked her to write a lament to see what might happen. And I'm going to end by reading it to you, but I also want to suggest that um, if you're stuck in anger, 
about an injustice that you've experienced or that someone you love has experienced, uh, try writing a lament. Acknowledge your frustration and turn towards God and plead with him, like the widow, to change it. So here's what she wrote. Please listen. Please. To be a woman is to be told what you should be and forced to be less of what you are. Women are tamed and tamped down into contrite natures that aren't familiar. Like woven tapestries that are picked apart thread by thread, women are stripped of the brightest colors. We are shredded and threadbare. I was ended before I began. I was over before I could start. I was followed, stolen, raped, disgraced, humiliated, and abandoned. Like so many other women, I was not the owner of my body or my mind or my thoughts. My father began the ownership. Later he would argue that I only belonged to him while so many others claimed the same. So often I felt my greatest sin was being a woman living in the world of men. On the best days, my wounds are constant shades on the edges of my periphery. But on the worst days, they cloud my vision before I can even open my eyes to face reality. I'm not the only woman who feels the weight of that darkness. Light overcomes darkness, but it feels as though the sun is rising too slowly. By the time it breaks down, breaks dawn, who will be left standing? Who can withstand so much time gone by in the dark? We want the sun to bring us hope. With hope comes healing, but it is a healing that feels impossible. Even so, I cannot help but hope for the impossible. She's turning now. Can you you sense it? She's turning. She's reaching out, grabbing for the trapeze of faith. She's making that turn. Come, healing Come, compassion. Come, love. Come, hope. Please let the tides turn. Let all of us be woven into colors that have yet to exist. Repair and make new. Revive and create new paths. Let the new paths be ones that we are free to choose on our own and without expectation or requirement. Restore us to men and women alike. Restore us to ourselves. Come restoration and come healing. Healing's coming for Sarah because she's a brave woman. She's honest about her anger. She's praying for justice and turning towards hope. Now I suspect the good question at this point of the series, and we're almost done, we've got two more weeks, is Doug, why do you keep bringing all these heavy stories about wounded women? Um, I'm not there. That's not my experience. Or I'm a guy. I don't, I don't relate. That's a fair question. And we don't normally just work with kind of one issue over a series like this. And somebody said, is this just kind of a current event gig? Um, and I, I thought, well, for about 3,000 years, this has been a real problem <laughs> for the people of God. So, no, it's not a current event gig. And if you're a man, you probably have some women in your life that you love. Uh, and some of them, some of your daughters, 
some of your wives, some of your moms, some of your sisters are carrying this kind of pain. So I just, I just want to, in this brief series, kind of bring it out a little bit and say this is where some of our sisters are. This is where some of our daughters are. Not everybody. I just want you to know. And if you're one of the ones who are carrying this kind of pain, wanted you to feel validated and like you have a, a safe place to uh, kind of work out your healing journey. Um, you know, for 30 years, I've told stories about football and all sorts of stuff. So for six weeks, we can, <laughs> we can focus on some women's issues. I think it's all right. All right, let's pray.